Hey there, Ass Kickers. Ghost host Andy Lindbergh here. And as you may know, Kick-Ass Oregon History has been nominated for Best Local Podcast in Willamette Week's Best of Portland 2015. Now, we're up against some great shows, and so we need your help. We need your vote in that contest. If you go to orhistory.com vote, you will be forwarded to Willamette Week's contest page, and there you can make an account and vote for Kick-Ass Oregon History for Best Local Podcast. Look in the media slash personalities section. Also vote for some of our friends. X-Ray Radio is up for one of the categories, and Eastside Distilling is as well. They're great supporters and friends of the podcast, and we'd appreciate your vote for them along with your vote for us for Best Local Podcast. ORhistory.com slash vote will take you over to Willamette Week, and we would very much like to win. Thank you, and without further ado, here's your fucking podcast. Portland or Sims money is buried five feet deep at the two graves north from barn, ten foot east. Keep this chart till well, all have died. Port, Pike Road, two miles from Rum, Portland, or Graves, $3,000, $3,000. To find, Old Sims died in the Army, 1864. Keep chart, chart off, Feb, 1862. It is May. 2015, and the resident historian and two of his confederates are visiting a cemetery with shovels, looking for a grave. This is some kick-ass Oregon history. Welcome to another installment of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the geeked-out history folks at ORhistory.com. I'm your host, Andy Lindbergh, and under the guidance of resident historian Doug Kent Crispin, we profile only the most badass, captivating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon sex, drugs, rock and roll, and earth-shattering, devastating destruction. Basically, the good stuff. Kick-Ass Oregon History is a presentation of ORhistory.com and is supported by listeners like you. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit ORhistory.com and click Donate. The resident historian gave a history talk on lost Portland treasure hoards at North Portland's Turn, Turn, Turn. Professor Jeff Jakeley and J.B. Fisher, co-author of Portland on the Take, presented as well. The resident historian chatted about the Portland treasure chart. (laughs) 
Thank you, Professor Jeff. So um, we're going to get into two of my favorite treasure tales ever. Not treasure trails, but tales. Um, the, the next one I want to get into is, was huge in the 60s, and I think it's still fun. I think it needs some revisiting. And uh, we're going to look at it, and Becca's going to hand out a copy of the Portland treasure chart that you can take home. Um, this is the Portland treasure chart. In 1933, a Seattle judge by the name of Everett Smith died. His son was cleaning out his affairs, and in his papers, he found a handwritten map. Now, nothing else in the judge's archives referenced this strange document. It was unique in obscurity. Now, this map is called the Portland Treasure Chart, and it lives at the Oregon Historical Society, right downtown. Uh, you can go down and take a look at it. And if you're fucking geeked out on this story, I hope you do. I was down there a little while ago, and uh, this is what it looks like in the file. Uh, it's this long map. The following day, he received an email from J.B. Fisher. Doug, great time last night. Thanks for putting that together. And on the treasure chart, Pike Cemetery is just off Pike Road near Yamhill, Oregon. About 40 miles from Portland, so obviously not two, but then again the map says T-O-O, or is it something else? The zeros look oddly shaped. And what are the markings just after miles? I may have missed what you said about those. This was a fantastic opportunity to do some original research into a not recently examined Oregon legend. You may remember our podcast called Treasures of Oregon that dealt with the map. If you don't, you might want to refresh your memory. We will post a link to it on this episode's page on orhistory.com, as well as a photograph of the actual Portland treasure chart which will be helpful for you to examine as you listen to this podcast. But just to catch you up, in 1966, freelance journalist Leland David wrote about the Portland treasure chart. Somewhere in Portland, there is a cache of $6,000 buried five feet down. It's been there for more than a century, hidden, undisturbed. The treasure, or rather two separate caches of $3,000 each, buried a few feet apart, remains hidden because the few people who have known about it have been unable to decipher a treasure chart so cryptic it defies interpretation, particularly at this date, more than a hundred years after it was written. Following the lead of J.B. Fisher's email, the resident historian joined him and Kelly Hatmaker, executive producer at KATU News, for a real live investigation into the fabled Portland treasure chart. One sunny May Saturday, they loaded into the car with shovels, a metal detector, and a bucket full of high hopes, and began their treasure journey to find out what the hell was going on with that treasure chart.
the 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 from rum, the the the, the from mm. that that that. Every time I've come back to that, is the one thing on this map that that that's weird because there's two periods in it, like uh, F O F R O period M O M R O M period. Right. Is there any possibility that's not a typo? Yeah. Is it? I mean, it, it's 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 that's one of the few words in the English language at the time that everybody agreed on the spelling. <laughs> it's from. You wow. can't really screw that up. But he, it's, it's it's just that that period in the middle of it, is it almost looks like. I was thinking, you know, the the um, Sherlock Holmes, the little clue thing about the the, the stick figure men, and and then that one puzzle where it was like every third letter was supposed to be the one you you read, and it just ever has anybody ever looked at that word and tried to figure out why that's that typo is there? Yeah, and Leland in that I think in that stack is that Oregonian article. I think it's from uh, 1966, and he seems to think that that one of his theories he puts forward is that it is a code. From Rom specifically, as well as buried, I think he says. From Rom, which appears twice on the chart, does not at all appear to be a misspelling. It could be an error, but it gives the feeling of intention. So does the word buried, spelled B-U-R-Y-E-E-D. It may be a code, clumsy, private, and effective because of its inconsistency. Leland David Leland posed an interesting idea. What if the map contained a code? Leland was just playing a bit with the idea from Rom, buried, but Kelly cued into this right off the bat. And suddenly, everything on the map is open to interpretation and conjecture. J.B. had expanded his thoughts on the matter, and being observant while driving and Google-earthing Oregon, he was led to an interesting conclusion. What if the map wasn't a map of a Portland, Oregon site at all? So yes, it could be a code, but Kelly had an interesting idea about the words as well. Yeah, and all the periods between letters on that map too, and words that could just be style, but it could be clues. Have you counted anything? Any um, done any tally of the dashes? And well, so dots? Okay, that's I was just so if you were going to telegraph somebody, huh? if you're going to send a huh? message to somebody, you need to count the number of letters. So you're going to be charged per letter. Yeah, and that's that's actually where I would say yeah, like, you know where da 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 bink da 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 bink because it is it's that blah 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 bump and the, every word is counted out where if, you know he's if you're going to dictate a telegram. This might be the way it just has that that's almost staccato yeah. economy of language. Kind of an awesome thought to yeah. send a telegram of a treasure map. Well, at the time, that was, you know, it was it yeah. this period when we started to, to see West East Coast trans- transmissions mm-hmm. for the first time, where, where that was the, the wonder of the age. And, and, mm-hmm. and Far fucking out, man. A treasure map sent by Morse code. And you thought the directions from your car's GPS were difficult to follow. There is no record of a Pike Road in Portland at the time. This could have been a reference to the Plank Road, now Canyon Road. Pike is a common term for a turnpike or main road. 
There were a few main roads in Portland during the period preceding the Civil War, and the plank was one of them. It was constructed to ease passage from Portland to the rich farmlands of the Tualatin Valley. Leland David Between the Portland Art Museum and the Oregon Historical Society is a giant brass marker shaped like Oregon that commemorates the Great Plank Road. So naturally, our expedition began there. The Great Plank Road. First planks for the Canyon Road connecting Portland with a rich Tualatin Valley were laid near this spot in September 1851. As a community effort, it brought farm produce to our docks and established Portland as a port and market for the old Oregon country. Lang Zion Society, 1960. So, <clears throat> theoretically, um, the map starts from roughly this uh, this location because I don't believe that the Great Plank Road was actually right you know, right fucking here. X yeah. right here. Nonetheless, um, I think it gives us kind of a well, a fucking starting point. Yeah, definitely. Good. And near here, probably relatively up the up the way, right? Yeah. Church. Yeah. Church. Church. The mid-1860s, the accepted age of some of the events depicted on the map, found a population in Portland around 5,000 and growing. 1864 found Henry Weinhard moving his brewery to 12th and Burnside. A subscription library and reading room was created, the genesis of our Multnomah County library system. Portland was far from a cosmopolitan city, but we were hardly some hayseed outpost either. After they visited the almost unquestioningly accepted starting point of the map, the team drove to JB's proposed starting point, which was not in Portland at all. So, uh, JB, we're out here. Where the fuck are we? We're outside of Newburgh? No, we're over right outside of Yamhill. Actually, we're kind of still in Yamhill. We're off Pike Road, which cuts right through the north side of Yamhill and then takes you out west just into the coast range, the Pike Valley, which is just kind of the edge of the coast mountains here. So, Pike matches up on the map, of course. Um, it's not Plank, it's Pike on the map, but uh, sorry to say, we're quite a few fucking miles past two from yeah, Portland. I mean, what are we, true. like 40 miles? Four, yeah, 48, I think. So, yeah, definitely, you know, but there is the question of what that T-O-O or whatever that is. I mean, it may be misspelled, maybe too many miles. It might be, you know, one of the things that came up was the idea that the top of the map, if you put Portland at the top, then the Willamette River kind of winds down what looks like the road there and kind of puts this region very, very roughly where the, uh, the mark of the, the money and everything else is. So, so who now, knows? Now, because on the map it says Pike Road two miles from um, Portland, or it says T-O-O. So yeah, that is spelled incorrectly, and you think that's a that's an error. But again, if you look at the top of the map, it says money is buried five feet deep at the two graves, and that's spelled T-W-O. Yeah, exactly. So the the cartographer, the geographer, definitely chose two different ways to spell the words two. Yeah, and right after the 
T-O-O miles. It's some kind of a house with chimneys and all kinds of things and it seems like that's not just incidental there either. So who knows if that's two miles out from some additional marker at that point. You know, there might be some possibility of that, which actually from about here, it is about two miles to where we're heading. So maybe if it's some kind of code. Uh, and we have to remember too that back then, uh, any kind of landmarks on, on roads would be pretty pretty distinctive as far as, um, you know, if there's a big old house at a corner and you're told, you know, maybe everything wasn't on the map, maybe there's some, some lead there that could then, you know, in an unspoken way, communicate more information than what we have here. I know, I know, dear ass kicker. You're thinking I should put down the pipe and come back to reality here. Of course it's in Portland. The fucking map is called the Portland Treasure Chart. But this is a map full of inconsistencies and perhaps code words, maybe even symbols. And down the rabbit hole we went. The rabbit hole out there in Yamhill. the investigators drove on to the Pike Cemetery. That's right, the cemetery is actually called Pike, just like the chart said. But did it fit with the chart they had in hand? The thing about maps and, 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 and crazy stories is sometimes there, there's, a, there's a nugget of truth there. So why, why are we looking at this map and, and being so suspicious? And why are we looking at it with 21st century eyes? We're so used to Google telling us exactly how far and exactly what's there. They didn't have that back then. So first, let's just get rid of this idea that it's two miles away. If I'm, if I'm a guy in the 1850s, I don't know how far two miles is. I know I just walked a real long time, too many miles. That's the first thing. If we look at this as actually a road, the Pike Road, that, that there's Portland, and you just keep on going until you see this thing, this, this, this landmark, and that's where you take a right. Well, that's the plank road down there, and we just had to get off the plank road on this little side road that takes us up a hill past the farm, to where everybody's dead. The Pike Cemetery mm -hmm. in North Yam Hills Cemetery. And then I just looked as we're driving up, I'm like, again, let's just play. Let's just play along. And I think if I'm if I'm trying to come down and, and try to remember like, well it's at the, it's at the broken tree you make a left, how we used to tell each other directions. Well, up above where all have died and, and all this information is, is this little wavy line. But it's actually broken up. There's, there's three lines there. And I, just as we're pulling up, I start looking around on the horizon. And once you know it, there's actually three hills around where we are right now. Again, just, we're just playing, just playing. So why not, why not go with it and just say, well, actually, when we look at this, literally, like, there's our three hills. And there's, there's this little branch up past the farm. Now, farms are farms. They stay farmland because it's good land. Even if it changes owners, it's still going to be a farm. That's the other thing we're talking about, grave sites. Why did someone, you know, the, the, the newspaper article, it's, it's underneath asphalt. No, actually, no. When we do construction, especially civil construction, if there's a body, we stop. We, you know, in, you know, we disinter it, we rebury it, we treat our dead with respect. So the sense that they might still be in this cemetery would kind of follow. Um, and, and, and I just like the fact that now, if we make this a literal map, you just keep on going until you see this, this thing, Make a right past the farm up where there's three hills to a cemetery. And if that's Portland, that's about the right angle of that little road which we're on, which is Hacker Road, which comes right off and it's accessed from Pike to the cemetery here. Just about the right 
the right shape and angle and everything. Time to lose your 20th century suppositions, dear ass-kicker. And yet, are these really the graves they were looking for, here in Yamhill instead of downtown Portland? The resident historian went ahead and asked the question that you all are thinking right now. As you know, I've gone out in the woods and I've done some Bigfoot hunting and shit like that. And you're out in the woods and you're looking for Bigfoot. And then you see two bear prints side by side. And they look like a big old fucking Bigfoot footprint. Are, are we doing this now? Are we? Are we? Why not? Uh, why not? Because first there's... If it's, it's better to think there might be gold versus being eaten by something. Um, yeah, apophenia. Yes, it, it's finding that shape in the cloud kind of looks like, like... Like a UFO or something. Right, but there's no harm, and sometimes that's what you have to do to, to allow for it. That Drop your skepticism and just look and in the sense of you know, what, what, what Sherlock Holmes said, you know, it, it, whatever's left is true. Even how strange, even how bizarre, but that sometimes... That, that sense of, of a willingness to put aside our disbelief allows us to appreciate something or find something that, that, that wasn't there before. Um, and again, why not? What's the harm in this case? It was a pleasant drive to a beautiful scenery, but all of a sudden, again, there's that sign, and there's that cemetery, and there's that road. Play with it, and then let your brain make those connections, because sometimes even a blind squirrel will find a nut. Or two. Yes. <laughs> Just okay, so here's here's my last question before we head up this fucking hill. I really want to go. We head up there. Mm -hmm. We find a grave that says sins. <laughs> Are we digging it up? We're making a pact first, and we're yeah. gonna we're I, we're gonna find we're gonna borrow a pin. And we're gonna sign something in blood with with like our our marks. Um, and then then we're gonna bury it again because that's what you have to do. Um, and 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 then we're gonna come back and swear not tell anybody. We'll tell people. And it'll be this will be a movie later on. Well, we but, um, can definitely come back here at night. So. <laughs> oh, fuck! <laughs> With a lantern. There's nothing much more valuable to piecing together history than actually walking the ground that the history occurred on. That is, of course, if you are on the ground that the history actually occurred on. As they walked among the gravestones, Kelly noted that the map appeared to be in three layers. Think of Mr. Spock's chessboard. There was the layer of text in yellow, another over most of that, traced in blue crayon, and then a third set of notations, mainly the word money, in black. Kelly noted that due to the unique lettering that they appeared to have been printed by the same cartographer. Our treasure chart investigators explored the well-kept, picturesque graveyard, spent several hours walking the land, checking out graves and looking for signs. And they thought that maybe they had found some. There was no Sims or Symes grave, but there were several other Civil War veterans buried in the cemetery. The idea was floated that perhaps the chart was a map to Sims treasure hoard not necessarily his grave. In addition, there were maybe a handful of graves with simple little stones about the size of a brick that rather blandly reported, unknown. Encouraged, the investigators moved on. Previous researchers of the map have been fixated on the church spires that seem to depict Portland upon it. 
As the notes in the Portland treasure chart file at the Oregon Historical Society specify, the two big spires might show up in an old glass plate photo. Portland's map of 1873 shows two spires within four blocks of each other, second and third, between Jefferson and Taylor, just beyond the burned out area. Two large stone obelisks were at the front of the old section of the cemetery. They seemed to look like the blocky shapes that the cartographer had drawn. And while the resident historian wasn't necessarily a skeptic, he tried to push down his golden beaver fever long enough to display a reasonable amount of unbiased objectivity. I don't know, what do you think, Doug? So far with all these things, do you think it's total coincidence or do you think that this really could be, I mean, we haven't found anything that like really sealed, like, okay, it has to be at this graveyard, but it does seem like there are a number of factors that seem to, to Yeah, I mean, I, I, it looks, uh, kind of wild. It looks kind of wild. I just wonder if like we picked any other fucking random old yeah. pioneer grave, if we I would, know. oh, look over there, instead of three mountains, exactly. there's three piles of gravel. I mean, exactly. I don't know. You know? But, but the fact that it is the Pike Road there is pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Is, that definitely does limit things. I mean, it'd be yeah. one thing if there are like five Pike Roads in Portland or something. Be like, yeah. No, I think it's kind of some, story. I think it's a, it's a new uh, crack on the case yeah. for sure. Yeah. You know? But, uh, yeah. The more time they spent in the cemetery, the more they were convinced that this could be a reasonable location for the treasure. Portland may not be the only option. What if researchers aren't supposed to be looking at Portland proper at all? And it's the, the Pike Road. Well, there actually there is a Pike Road, and it just happens. We just kind of took it fresh and didn't get hung up on, on, on some, some stuff. Another thing to keep in mind is that all, if we're talking about these Civil War soldiers and other associates, they weren't from Portland necessarily. Having a map that gave some detail that said it's in the vicinity of Portland, even if it's 40 something miles away, if we're talking about coming from the East Coast or people getting information, you know, from, in other places, that would still be helpful to reference. It wouldn't necessarily mean it's in Portland, Oregon per se. So how should the Pike Cemetery be regarded in the Argosy of the Portland treasure chart? When you're looking for stuff that's hidden, well, I don't care what it is, you know, you're, you're lo looking for a sock, you're looking for the secret to the universe. You gotta start first, but can you come up with a, with a workable theory? I'm not talking about a possible, I'm talking about probable. We'll get to the possibilities later, but, but is, it, is it beyond the realm of probability? Could it be? And, and so did we come up with a, with a workable idea that, hey, you know, is this a place that could be a, does it fit? Does it fit what we know? Well, there's the orchard. There's, there's a Civil War grave. There, there, there's markers and, and shapes all of a sudden that when we look at the map and lay it over this place, it has, it fits. It almost, almost looks like a puzzle piece. And it, it, oh, there's this. And if this is true, then we should see this thing right there. And if, if, if it works, then we should, that should be east. And oh my gosh, it's east. And that's where you start thinking it's worth coming back to. It's worth exploring, going further down this rabbit hole. Because the, it, there is an orchard. There is stumps. There is a barn, and and there's a pike, and it's that thing. Like the pieces start adding up. That why not this place? That gives us that sense of hope and and satisfaction. Like you know what? Okay, yeah, I like this theory. It feels good. To me. Later that week. 
the team went to the Oregon Historical Society to examine the actual map, to get the straight shit on the Portland treasure chart. This is the actual map, the actual chart here on tracing, what is it, tracing linen or tracing yeah. You can actually see some of the, the, the texture, the, the you know how this is not paper. This is actually more of a woven feel to it, and this is this is this is why Google will never ever take over everything. Because this is to have it in your hands is so you can smell, you can smell things, and it's um it's just amazing. Each part of it is, is just it's it's, <laughs> it's tactile. This is a tactile search now. And we're now, looking on the back because that's where it has the mark of the person who who uh, had it. See right here, we've got, we've, got, we've got our first problem with, with how this thing has been cataloged. Because mm -hmm. we've got data references here that say, you know, the original, if you look at the file, it says February 1862, right? Mm -hmm. So why is it actually giving you a two-year, you know, so actually this has at least one, one reference on it to say 1864. The original Feb 1862, though, I think is that. Mm -hmm. he, just, he was just looking at it, and actually, this isn't just, this actually has a full date on it. This mm -hmm. is February 14th, 1862. So what happened on that day? That's a really good question. Yeah. What is this? This is the thing we're talking about. A little the yellow is, yeah, yellows. the only thing about the yellow being first is notice the house above the blue you house. You see the yellow, like, he might have traced over, but yeah, it looks like there was a drawing there originally. Mm -hmm. And then this, you actually can see now, this is actually much more detailed than mm -hmm. I thought it would be, because this is actually shows you that property line. Mm -hmm. And we've walked back through this part. This mm -hmm. is now where, where the new property line is. Yeah, it's So you actually can see. You can actually see the, even that line there. Jesus, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. a Well, guys, we may have actually found the like walking the earth, nothing beats examining documents firsthand. Nuance is noticed. Sometimes other researchers leave hints not yet explored. A connection can be made with the original source. And for all of you hung up on the spires depicted on the chart, not being obelisks but actual churches, well, JB found out some interesting shit about the Pike Cemetery. Trying to, what I was trying to find was that I learned online that in 19, in, until 1958, there was a church at the cemetery. Did I tell you about that? And so that, I was trying to find a picture of it. Um, but there, was, there were several old timers who had written in some newsletter talking about how they had gone to three funerals at that cemetery in the 1940s and 50s, but that the church was gone by about 1958. This is original research. This is what happens when you dig past what has already been written. Bring a fresh look at the acceptive narrative. I've done it before with Erickson Saloon and D.B. Cooper and I recognized that rush that was coming from our explorations. JB has done the same in his documentation of Portland's historic crime rackets and Kelly's investigations on the Special Projects Squad are well known and respected. We were bringing new shit to the picture, man. I don't know about Leland Davis, but Ru Ruby L. Holt would have had a lot of knowledge of Oregon and looked at a lot of maps and would have seen that Pike Road is a prominent loca locale in the uh, Willamette Valley. And the idea that no one who seems to have written about this ever played with the idea that maybe given the T.O.O. miles, it could have been outside of Portland. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the name of it, the Portland Treasure Chart. I mean, I just think everybody from day one has just accepted 
that it's important. And again, you know, you talk about the Treasure Hunting Northwest book. She did know Oregon really well, and she would. I, I just don't know how she could have not drawn that connection with Pike Road that we were on the other day out by Newburgh. So what have our investigators done here? Are they any closer to finding Sims' treasure filled with maybe $6,000 in beautiful, shiny, golden beavers? If, we've added, mm-hmm. if nothing else, we've added to this story. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the fun part. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we're any good, we're going to come up with something that, that makes some sense. And, and, it, and so far, so good. There's nothing that says it couldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you can keep on going down the rabbit hole as far as you want. Mm-hmm. But... It's just, this is just actually see this map again. It's just amazing. As no grave labeled Sims was found in the Pike Cemetery, JB looked into some of the other residents buried there. Remember all this from Rom bullshit? You talked about, you found some crazy, you know, let's, again, we gotta just let it all play. We can't rule anything out because why, sh- why, why would we? You found some very, Interesting names. You got. You found some family relations. Three brothers. There was poisoning. There was poisoning. Mm-hmm. Blood poisoning. Richard O. Martin or Rich or Hitch O. Martin was, died of blood poisoning apparently in 1881 or 1882. And then there's Fran. There's Franklin Martin and Miles B. Martin, and all three of them were Civil War veterans, and they all died between the 1880s and the 19 teens. All have died. Yeah, all have died. And I was suggesting, I don't know if you saw this one, Miles. For, that probably is an O, but it could be in possibly some kind of shoddy A, F-R-A-M, the R-O-M, Richard O. Martin, Franklin, Miles, all have died. The three brothers who are wrangling over the maybe. <laughs> that's... that's we, we should have done bong hits in the car <laughs> before we came in, to, before we looked at this. But, but that's the fun of any, of any investigation. It's just like, mm-hmm. where does it point you? Don't be afraid to just follow mm-hmm. the data, follow the information. Don't say, well, why not? But that's, that has been people's problem. From rum is, is spelled, misspelled. Why would he mm-hmm. be so deliberate in the misspelling there and misspelling there? But to look at this now, this FRO period, that's actually somebody's notation. That's a three, that's a three initials. MROM, that, that, that's the MRO Martin period. That's mm-hmm. not, that's an actual division. And when mm-hmm. you look at this, you actually see it in the way that it's put, put together. Hmm. A secret Morse code signal? The initials of three Civil War veteran brothers, all buried in the Pike Cemetery? Rabbit holes and navel-gazing? Or real live leads to Sims Gold? Later point. See, I, I like I like this actually. So, the names that you have with the people that, that you were looking at, where are those names? Is one of them is one of them Miles? Mm-hmm. And they're all buried. They're Miles B. Here are the three. Look, I even wrote the same color. Right, so we've got a Miles. <laughs> mm-hmm. We got a um, uh, Franklin. Franklin. Frank. And we got a Martin. Uh, yeah. Richard O. Martin which is also the hit show, Martin, but that was just a typo, I think. And they all served as veterans. They all were from St. Louis, Missouri area. Um, they were the sons of John. They're all from where? St. Louis, Missouri area. That's where they all came from. <laughs> and they're sons of John and Sarah Martin. Um, and interestingly, one of the things that we were talking about was the question of how this Leland David article 
seems so specific about the backstory of how the treasure chart came to be when it says the treasure was buried near two graves before or at the outset of the Civil War as far as can be determined by two soldiers. It was their intention to return after the war and dig it up, but they did not survive the war and the information was passed along to another man. Before he died, one of the soldiers told another person who from the description drew the chart on a 6 by 18 inch piece of tracing cloth. Now how did Leland and David get any of that information about the, basically the provenance of the chart? Kelly also had some interesting thoughts on the genesis of this Oregon legend. Was the chart itself born out of foul play? And for a judge to take it, it was the coroner article was probated in his court. Okay, well, yeah, it doesn't mean you can rifle through it and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and lift the one cool thing there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look into the Smiths too because that's interesting that you know that. We, we know that the judge was in, educated. Yeah, well educated. His son lived in Portland. Mm-hmm. So he's about the judge. Was Everett is is you know. Yale, born and raised in Connecticut, goes to Yale. Yeah, so it was, at the time, it's it's Yale. Um, comes east, had like two separate lives, his Connecticut life, and then started actually practicing law in Seattle before he was appointed to, to King County Bench. According to the references, he was well known for being an advocate for troubled youth. He liked to work with the, with the street urchins. This is you know, late 1800s, early 1900s. And at one point, though, this homeless man, this indigent, dies and the property ends up in the, is probated through the court. He had no, the, 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 the homeless person had no relatives, there was no will, just these possessions. Somehow, in that process, this map was taken by somebody, maybe the judge, but it ended up in the judge's possession. The judge kept it secret. Maybe it was a shame because he lifted it from, from you know, the lost and found. Maybe he didn't want anybody to know about it. But certainly his son never heard about it and didn't find it until the judge died. This is a very complicated case, Maude. You know, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous, and uh, a lot of uh, strands to keep in my head, man. Aww. A lot of strands in old Duder's head. So what the fuck does this all mean? And what about this... Sims fellow. We checked in with J.B. Fisher about a week ago. I was stepping back and thinking about it and realizing, you know, well, my question was, how did we get to where we ended up in that graveyard? And I was thinking about how on the map it does say, you know, about, you know, die, you know, died during, died in the army, right? Symes or Sims died in the army 1862 or 1864 and that was where we were prompted to try to figure out who in that graveyard fought in the Civil War and Richard O. Martin was the person that came up in the inventory the link and so we found his grave finally and when we found that it wasn't actually until we left the cemetery that we realized there were two other brethren you know literally his brothers Franklin and Miles B. Martin and they all fought in Civil War and they're all buried in that cemetery but the main thing was when we got to that grave we then realized that there were these two obelisks perpendicular or parallel rather grave markers about 10 a little more than 10 feet away and it was sort of from there that we walked and realized that well if it looks like these dotted lines and these two parallel lines 
and next to the word graves and then on the other side where you have the picture of port what seems to be pictures of portland buildings but it also looks a lot like these obelisks thought well that could potentially put us right to where the suggested grave markers leading about 10 feet away to where the treasure was buried which would be where the civil war soldiers were buried so that was really i think what got us right to that spot and what led us to think okay there really seems to be something to that and what happened then with the old Symes or sims died in the army was that we started to think well february 14th 1862 when kelly and doug and i were sitting there at the ohs library we realized there was this yellow very faint writing and that specifically said february 14 1862 the other dates on there are 1864 february 1864 so we said what happened in on february 14 1862 and it was at that point that we looked up two battles that were fought during that time the battle of fort donaldson in tennessee and sure enough some civil war buffs blog talked about these two brothers who had been killed in battle on that day um, fighting to defend Fort Donaldson but what was a strange wrinkle in the case was that there was an actual Sims or Symes it was William H.H. H. Sims William Henry Harrison Sims and apparently he was recorded as among the dead but then it came out that two years later it was revealed that the muster rolls had been switched and he'd actually survived and it was one of these brothers that had died in his stead so we started thinking old Symes died in the army and all that and thought, well, you know, there was someone named Sims or Symes who seemed to have died on February 14, 1862, but didn't really die. And also, we found out that he'd been part of a company that had actually um, started in Missouri, which was where these three brothers, the Martin brothers, had um, been from. So there's a probable link to think, well, maybe there's some connection between these guys and this old Sims or Symes, and Sims ended up moving back to and had been from McMinnville, Tennessee. And McMinnville, Tennessee is important because McMinnville, Oregon is actually named after McMinnville, Tennessee because William Newby came from Tennessee and basically established Oregon's McMinnville. And so we had a number of different points of overlap as far as people who may have been from or connected with um, these regions that were um, showing up as part of you know, again, these people who are buried in the cemetery. Now this so hold on, you 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 looking at it and you think that one hundred percent that. I mean, it's hard not to see how close. Here's are. here's the thing. So, is there anything on this map that rules out what we saw? That's the first question. Don't, yeah. Because we're not we're not we're not we're not talking about is this the one? We're asking could it be the one? That's the first question. Is, is there anything that we've seen so far that makes this place? not applicable. No, actually, the more we look at this, the more we see a correspondence. Does the Pike Cemetery contain the graves that we're looking for? I don't know, but it sure is the best location for this storied tale that has been presented in decades. Kelly created some comparison photos that we'll put on the episode page for you to check out. So many of the details that have been pulled together seem to support this location, but with the map owning such a sordid past, it's tough to accept anything with more weight than pure conjecture. But we did add to this tale, and we got a chance to pool our investigative resources and really look at the case with a brand new perspective. And if nothing else, we got to enjoy a beautiful day in a cute little rural cemetery 
oh, that happens to be on a road called Pike. Get out there and dig some Oregon history. Today we looked at a map. We looked for possible needles. What's possible? What, what could this possibly mean versus what do we think it means? We didn't have that kind of biasness to, well, it's got to be in Portland in two miles. No. Why? Why did that happen? And why are we looking for Sims graves? That's the other thing. We're just looking for Sims money. Those, that's the fun of this is that we found some, we took a fresh look and it led us to a fresh place. It was, that's the cool thing. We had an original thing and the originality, that by itself is a treasure to me. Oh, Kelly gets pretty cute when he's talking about desecrating Civil War veterans' graves, doesn't he? Thank you for listening, Ass Kickers. And be sure to stop by orhistory.com slash vote to help us win the best local podcast in Willamette Week's Best of Portland 2015. Again, we're up against some stiff competition, and we need your help. Head on over to our website, orhistory.com slash vote, and you'll be connected to Willamette Week's website where you can register an account and vote for us. Vote for us. Vote, 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 vote. Vote Vote for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, Ass Kickers. And be on the lookout for future podcasts from ORHistory.com. We hope that you agree that today's episode featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Doug Kent Crispin and Andy Lindbergh. Citations are available on request. Kick-Ass Oregon History is on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. Follow us on Instagram at Kick-Ass Oregon History. We're also on the Facebook. The email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. Want more Kick-Ass Oregon History in your life? Become a podcast supporter. Learn more at orhistory.com. Just don't get too close to Mr. Kent Crispin. He's coming for your gold. You stay historic, Oregon, and kick ass. OrHistory.com